Welcome to Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart. This week, we will explore the journey of Mrs. Erica McNeil. Erica is a teacher librarian in Newmarket, Ontario, Canada. I met Erica through a Facebook group called Proud Rainbow Voices. No problem. Easy, easy. How are you today? My, my dog is here, so just... Oh, perfect. My cat's sleeping around here somewhere, but she may make a cameo On occasion, too. there's going to be some disruption. He hates it. He has like PTSD from me teaching online. Aww. He hates like hearing like the voices and he can't see who's, that there's people there. He doesn't see the people. So, What kind he of dog is it? Right beside. Oh, he's uh, here. Hank, say hi. Hello. Hank. He's like, Aww. yeah, I'm not interested. Oh, here comes Marley. Marley, you going to say hi? Hi. Yeah, they are. On this episode, we will hear Erica's stories about how she intentionally serves students from her community in the ways she organizes the school library shelves and builds relationships with students to best meet their needs. On the following episode, we will discuss how Erica first fell in love with reading and storytelling and how she works to foster this same passion for reading with her students. We will begin by hearing Erica describe her current roles in teaching and the community in which she teaches outside of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Then she will go on to discuss how she builds relationships with students and families in her school and how those relationships inform the ways she serves them as their school librarian, including how she has organized the library shelves in more intentional, effective ways for students and teachers. Tell me, are you working with like elementary students in your I am. I, my school okay. is a K-8 school. I'm the librarian at my school. Uh, I also teach French. I teach drama and dance. I, I do primary prep coverage. I do whatever is needed. Toronto, but you're near Toronto? Is this I'm correct? north of Toronto. So uh, Newmarket is uh, maybe 50 kilometers north of downtown core. Uh, okay. we, our, our board is called York Region District School Board, and it's the second largest board in Ontario. We're, we're, we're quite large. Okay. And uh, we have a lot of privileges that many other boards across Ontario, for sure, do not have okay. because of the numbers, just the sheer numbers of people we have. So just resources, busing, professional development, mm-hmm. uh, just even basic things, salary, benefits, insurance. Um, my sister, she lives in Stratford, uh, Ontario, which is uh, northwest of here quite a bit mm-hmm. from here. Uh, and it's a, it's a small little community that services a, a large area for a very scattered population. And um, they, they just don't have, because of numbers, they don't have the numbers uh, to be able to warrant uh, services that are here, that I take right. for granted here. Right. Uh, and that's just within Ontario. So I can't even imagine, like, I mean, you want to talk about equity and, and accessibility uh, to public education. Look what's happening in our Indigenous communities. I don't know what um, the the landscape is like down in the States for you, but here in, in Canada, we have, like, areas in Ontario, Northern Ontario, Quebec, that don't have water. They don't have access to clean water. They, they have no hospital. So there's no medical facilities. The teacher is teaching the whole kindergarten to grade 12 age in a building that's falling apart and the roof is leaking and there's no books. And that's now. This is not happening, you know, in 1950, whatever. This is happening right now. So, uh, you know, you have to just always choose gratitude. You have to always choose um, to be curious, not judgmental about how 
how things are operating and, and, and being uh, frustrated with the government will only take us so far. That, that's right. a very short steam that, that's not going to serve uh, a higher purpose. It's only going to uh, serve our egos. And that's, that doesn't, it's not very productive. Relationship building is pretty important to the way you go about teaching them. It is. I would say that's my number one priority as a teacher. Curriculum mm -hmm. comes second to my relationships, the dynamics in my classroom, the dynamics I have with my community. I've been at my school for 12 years now. Okay. So that's like the longest I've been at a school. I, I've been teaching for 27 years with this board. Uh, okay. And I've taught in all we have four regions. Um, so I've taught in two of the four regions. I've never taught East. I've never taught West, but I've done Central and I've done North. And I'm currently in the North. My area where I teach is sort of the Southern part of the North end of our, of our region. And the North, North part of our region um, is very uh, high needs, high risk. Uh, a lot of uh, transient neighborhood, a lot of um, marginalized communities. Uh, a lot of violence, a lot of domestic violence. We have one indigenous community up uh, in the north on Georgina Island, and uh, that's a whole other ball game yeah. that uh, I am not trained for. So uh, my school has a bit of a um, a hybrid experience because um, we have. Um, a dual track. We have a gifted program at our school and we have a mainstream program. So the mainstream program is the neighborhood kids, the kids that live in the neighborhood. And it's a very, very small school. Uh, it is not a shrinking community, but it is definitely not an expanding community. It is in the older part of town. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of new builds. Uh, the building itself is pretty new in comparison to the original building. The original building was from 1971 and it was one room schoolhouse typical rural community and um it was like it was the last of its kind one room schoolhouse no walls all the grades were all together and it was a tiny little school there were like uh, 200 people at the school so then they rebuilt the school and they rezoned it to have the gifted program move from a school that was extremely busy very full population that came into our school so we're Pretty much half and half gifted programming starts at our school in grade four. Uh, so we have K to three mainstream, and then we have gifted four to eight and mainstream four to eight. And I would say, this is a really long answer to your question, <laughs> that um, in terms of censorship and what books are allowed to be put on the shelf is very much the discretion of the teacher. But I will also say that there is a whole spectrum of what's considered professional uh, judgment. Uh, and what I would deem an intermediate level book in terms of appropriate material level may be vastly different from another librarian's interpretation of what is um, socio-emotionally uh, appropriate for a, a 13, 14 year old student. I have books in the library that probably should be in high school libraries and not in elementary libraries, but um, my students in the gifted program are very mature readers in terms of skill level and ability level of comprehension and they're also emotionally mature they are ready to talk about heavy topics and they, they consider a lot of uh, existential metacognition type questions yeah. when they're reading and uh and so it's important that we give them material to uh to sink their teeth into and to and to, and to think about and to consider and to help 
um, inform their own writing. I have a lot of writers at my school, a lot of keen storytellers at my school. And the richer we can give them uh, in reading material, the richer their writing will become. Um, I, I am a writer, so I obviously have a biased opinion about the connection between reading and writing. I am an avid reader. I read voraciously. I, I read two, three books at a time. So, I mean, being the librarian at my school is like a privilege. It's, it's a gift. It's like my dream job before I retire. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was a classroom teacher for many, many years, and I, I can't imagine doing any other job than what I do right now. I don't really consider it a job. It's like a calling for me. Like, this is what I'm meant to do on the planet is to get kids to read. And so I have a real problem uh, personally with uh, banning and, and, and blacklisting and, and boycotting books, burning books. It, it hurts me um, that this goes on in the world in this day and age, uh, certainly in North America, maybe right. in other parts of the world, but certainly for North America. Uh, the best way to get a book read is to ban it. <laughs> like, I mean, that's what the I... opposite. Yeah, that's why I've heard of some book. of the cool books that I've heard about yeah. in the past years because they're on these lists. I'm going to make yeah. all of my students read one from those lists yeah. when I teach this class next semester. Yeah, and, and it is a thing. Like, it's a book club thing, a banned book club thing where people read books specifically because they're banned. Yeah. And I think that people who ban books are, um, and I'm generalizing, stereotyping. I don't know personally anybody who has banned a book, so... Might be offending somebody that I don't realize I'm offending, but I will say that um, people, legislations, uh, committees, boards of directors, those kinds of higher up people that are making these decisions are not grassroots. They're not boots on the ground uh, trench workers. They're ivory tower workers who uh, make decisions that don't affect them personally. And they're meant to control. I mean, that is how you control a society by controlling what art they create and what art they witness. And uh, when you uh, try to control that, you're trying to control the people. And that's not right. I think that um, fear uh, motivates book banning uh, and, and text banning uh, and uh, discomfort. When people are uncomfortable about topics uh, that are being addressed in literature, I think literature is like the perfect place to be talking about uncomfortable things. Because it's once removed from us. It's not my words. It's like the book's words. Maybe the book ideas resonate with what I'm teaching or what I feel or what I think, but it's not personal. And so books are like the storytelling is the perfect vehicle for talking about uncomfortable, awkward, difficult subjects and feelings and ideas, things that we don't want to talk about, things that we don't want to uh, publicly name and identify, things that we carry with ourselves that we don't want to ident uh, acknowledge exist. Okay, so I have not personally, I, I've only been the librarian for seven years now, okay. and our demographic at our school has changed dramatically in those right. seven years. Um, I taught in Newmarket at my very first, uh, for my very first placement when I first entered the profession. So that's like 27 years ago. And yeah. Newmarket was a very wasp community. We, everybody celebrated Halloween. Everybody celebrated Christmas. Everybody celebrated Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day. This was how we decorated the school. Everybody followed the same calendar and it was very uh, homogenous. Right. Uh, and that was a long time ago. But even 10 years ago, when I, so when I first came to my school, Rogers, um, so it's 12 years ago, 13 years ago now, uh, it still was very uh, white 
for lack of, of a more accurate term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the last, I would say, five years, so the entire term that I've been a librarian, we've uh, had a shift in uh, who's been moving into our neighborhoods and who's, whose families' uh, voices need to be added to our, our collection. I love that, that the library is reflective of that community you serve. That's so cool. Well, it's it's vital not just to, you know, meet some directive that's been given to us, but like our students need to see themselves in in the books that we have. When I read a story aloud, I can't always be reading the same story. I can't have the same illustrations with the same characters and the same storylines happen. It's not equitable. It's not even, it's not representative. And so, you know, I have the responsibility of helping everybody feel included in our community, not just the people whose voices have always been there. Oh, and it's always been that way. Oh, this is where we've always done it. There has to be a new narrative that is inclusive of everybody. Uh, And, and, you know, there is the risk of tokenism. I'm not going to lie. You know, like say, oh, well, we have to... Well, it's Islamic Heritage Month this month, so we have to write. And so, right. Okay, so that's the only time that we're going to talk about Islam is during the month of October. So, <laughs> you know, there's things like we talk about this in um, how we shelve our books. You know, how how we organize a library is also very reflective of um, how how our, our how our students use and how our teachers use the library. I had you know, never we, considered that. That's yeah. really interesting. Like, so like. How do you go about that? I've never thought well, about that. Well, we um, we we've been experimenting. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're making I would say a shift. To. Well, we're making a shift now towards um, thematically. So the, the traditional way of doing it has always been the Dewey Decimal System, specifically right. for the nonfiction books. Right. And we do have a Dewey Decimal System uh, in the junior intermediate, but the primary nonfiction area is by. It is Dewey Decimal, but it's by topic. I don't give them numbers. I, I give them uh, topics. So I'll say, okay, so all the books about sports are in this book, which, you know, is a Dewey Decimal into itself, but right. we don't categorize it like that. But what we started to do with um, our other books is rather than saying, okay, well, all the Islamic books are here and all the, sorry, I'm just saying Islamic. It, like, no, no, I didn't. Yeah, in my head. Like I just did a display cabinet for Islamic heritage. Gotcha. So like all the LGBTQ books are in this section. So instead we've been labeling them. We've been putting labels on the spine so that if a teacher says, oh, you know, I'm looking for a book about diversity. I'm looking for a book about inclusion. I'm looking for a book about standing up for yourself. I'm looking for a book about um, being a lone voice and making a difference. And so we've been stickering them on the sides, on the spines of the books so that you can just eyeball the shelf and say, oh, this book is about um, LGBTQ. I put rainbows on that sticker. Or this book is about mothers. This book is about uh, a relationship with mothers. This book mm-hmm. is about numbers and how we relate to numbers. So that's been that's been a very slow process. I have some amazing student uh, library helpers. I have had in the past before the pandemic some amazing parent volunteers come into the school to help me sort through and help. It's it's not just about curating, but also culling. You have to stay with what books are no longer relevant, which ones contain material that doesn't really speak to us anymore. And it's not just about age. It's about like the content of the book. If it's if it's excluding somebody or if it's making a stereotype out of an identity, then we have to remove it because you can't endorse that stance. You have to make sure that you're you're very clear on what um, what message you want. Every time somebody brings a book home, 
it's like you're bringing a piece of the school into somebody's house. Mm-hmm. And so you want to remember that. So every time they bring a book home, you want that book to say, oh, this book represents something that we talked about in class today. This book is representing another book that we talked about in class that reminds me me of this book and this character or this book this author came to visit our school today and they this was their favorite book when they were at my age and so i want to read it because i love this author yeah. so those kinds of activities that's what builds that that mesh that that um weaving of, of a community together when you can talk about things like that that's why it's so important to find a book that moves every kid every and i say that every time they come in the library i'm like it's not that you don't like reading it's not that you can't read it's not that you're not a reader it's that we haven't found the book for you yet there is a book out there for you we have to find it that's my job the job is to find a book and if we don't have it in this collection you can be sure i'll be going to find one we have to like that's what your budget is for us to go and buy those new books and to feed new material for speed of me being able to find a book like kids come to me all the time oh, do you have a recommendation do you have a book recommendation yeah. and i t- i'm very fortunate that i teach four french classes so that's you know a third of the school that i know yeah you're well, seeing them regularly because i yeah. teach them every day and yes i teach them french but again teach the kid first right so yes i'm teaching french wonderful but i'm teaching kids right so you get to know those kids because you see and you see i'm sure you have that if you see like i have to tell kids to stop reading it like it breaks my heart but i'm like okay this this lesson this part of the lesson is really important so just put your book away for a second just listen to this part (laughs) so i know what books they're reading i know what makes them like pull away and go into another world goes so back to the relationship that, building that you talked yeah. about before yeah yeah so when you know that about you know that aspect of their personality then when they come into the library say oh, i'm looking for a recommendation then you can tell and they ask me all the time have you read all these books well no i haven't read all of the books but i've read enough of the books and i've also talked to students after they've read books that i have not read that i can tell and i i know their friend groups you know like it's, reading is a very social activity. I know people think it's a very independent activity, but like when you read the same book that somebody else is reading, then you know there's a whole like potential for conversation because two people have read the same thing, but they've experienced completely different right. um, feelings and emotions and things that have reminded them. Think it's like it's like that with any piece of art. You know, two people looking at the same painting, they see two different things. It's the same colors, but our perceptions are different based on what we bring to the art, right? So writing is exactly the same. Story is like that because we we carry everything. We try not to, but we carry everything from our previous experience into the experience, the new experience. And that just adds to it, right? And then you just, that's when we have to curate our own experiences. Which ones do I want to use to define who I am? Which parts of myself are the most... um, salient points of who I am, like what my identity is, and then how does that resonate with how the education system is built on an archaic societal structure that no like it does not serve our our structures anymore. It does not serve the way society runs anymore. We are not a a farming rural society anymore. We we were when the schools opened, it was definitely a necessity. And did and did public education uh, serve a purpose? Absolutely it did, but we have to move with the times. We are not a business. You can't run education, public education, certainly as the business you're, it's, you're, you're working with people. You're, that was like the most 
relevant uh, quote that I got when I was in teacher's college. I went to York University and I had one professor who said, you aren't teaching subjects, you're teaching students. You have to remember you're teaching the person first. And what you are teaching them is secondary to whom you are teaching. And if you if you hold on to that, then this all this other stuff you're talking about book banning and and legislation and control, control, control. That's all just background noise, because then it doesn't matter. What matters more is the relationship you have with with your students, with yourself first, with your students and the material that you're talking about, that you're sharing together. As Erica noted in the last portion of our conversation that I included on this episode, teachers in schools are in the business of reaching learners and families before content and standards. It is through getting to know her students, their lived experiences, and their community that Erica helps them navigate entry points into reading and literature. The stories they read should function as mirrors to help them construct new meaning of their own experiences, cultures, and worldviews. Books should also function as windows to building greater understanding of the experiences and cultures of others. We will finish exploring Erica's narrative on the next episode on this podcast feed. My contact information is in the episode description. This is Journeys of Teaching. I am Aaron R. Gearhart, and thank you for listening.